Hello everyone, welcome back. Welcome back to uh, New Year. I think this is published in the New Year, isn't it? We're actually recording this a little earlier on uh, so that we can have as many uh, people here with us uh, over the holiday season. It's a little harder to coordinate recording times. Um, it's the start of a new quarter. Looking forward to it. My name's Cameron. And I'm Luke and this is the third one that we've recorded in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are indeed... Um breaking new ground for us i'm lachlan and unfortunately because of this recording schedule ken is not uh, able to join us for this one either so it's um it's going to be a lot for him to catch up on when we can finally get him back into the recording session we commented um towards the end i think it was our second last uh episode in the last season that um adventist church could say more about gambling and uh, lo and behold we do have a whole quarter now not about gambling but about finances and stewardship and uh, it's a topic that uh, Jesus addressed a lot about he said more about money than he did about prayer so I think there should be enough to keep us busy this first uh, discussion is just a sort of general introduction to um, belonging to the family of God and uh, we thought we might have a little reflection I've got some stories from my own family on how we've managed our our resources and the distribution thereof over the Christmas period Locke, do you want to kick us off with the Bible verse and then we can sort of chip in as it as the conversation unfolds? Yeah, indeed. Um look, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun one, I think, for the next for the next twelve or thirteen weeks. So the the topic overall for this quarter is called Managing for the Master, and there's all sorts of ideas, I think some of which will be familiar and well trodden ground. I'm sure there's gonna be something on tithe. Um, some of which might be might be an opportunity for us to explore some some really interesting and slightly fresh perspectives on it. But in any case, the memory verse uh, for for this week comes from First John three, and I, I thought it's a great little passage. So I'm just going to read the first three verses here from from First John chapter three. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Hmm. That's where that song comes from. The kid's song. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, it's... um. It's great. The whole the whole chapter is worth reading, but we, we do have to keep an eye on the time whenever we sit down to do these recordings. But um, yeah, I mean, it goes on and, and it ends, you know, right at the very end. It ends in you know, verse 23. And this is his commandment that we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Um, so so it's, it's a real call to love, to family, to recognizing connection, to recognizing that we're not just family, but actually that we're called to be the family of God. We're called to be children of God. There's a fun mirroring here. Um, and, and, you know, the, the people of this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. And then the very next verse, we know that we're already God's children, but he's not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. So, so the world... The world doesn't know, doesn't recognize us because they don't know God. But actually, we don't quite know really either. Uh, but we do have this eager expectation. There's a fun sort of mm. playing of ideas. Yeah, I like it. That. Um, and there's some thought given in there about the expectation for how, how we then ought to live if we're part of a family. Um, uh, mm. So, uh, and I think that's the direction that the 
quarter is going to move in. Uh, we had yeah. a we had an interesting Christmas uh, period. Um, we are about to at the time of recording travel up. It's just before Christmas um, to big family do up in New South Wales, and and it's going to be quite a trip. And we'd said to the kids uh, n- not to worry about uh, spending money on presents and that we'd be giving them a bit less presents because the trip itself is going to be uh, something. There'll be lots of things we'll do. We'll visit zoos and other things, see family. And um, Anyway, our, our boys were not happy with this and they did not insist that we bought them presents, but they did insist that they be taken to the shops so that they could buy presents for each other uh, with their own money, which... Melissa and I were really pleased about. So we sent them off to the shops and they went off in pairs and in pairs they'd buy a present for the third brother who wasn't there. And um, it was a it was a, uh, a wonderful moment. I mean, the parenting isn't always easy, but occasionally we get moments where we say, oh, that was, that was um, really nice to see. Uh, when the presents were unwrapped, though, uh, different people had bought various things, books and other stuff, and of course Lego. Uh, but it emerged after the presents had all been opened that there was an asymmetric distribution of Lego, um, mm. and this caused uh, some uh, distress. Uh, the child in question did his very best to hide it and to contain it, um, and to not let it ruin Christmas Day. But was obviously very distressed, um, and uh, fortunately that child had been actually sent a Lego present by a, a distant family member, which was tucked away for a future occasion in our bed. And perhaps we should have uh, waited very, and very, kept it Very as a wise moment. parenting come to have some presents uh, in, oh, in no. the reserves well, we, to be deployed. I thought retrospectively, maybe, maybe we should have not given it to him because it would have been a useful moment for him to learn. Um, but after the kids had been so generous in giving each other presents out of their own money, and because this present was for the child anyway... Um, we thought that the timing might be appropriate and, and then equilibrium was restored. Um, I see. <laughs> and everyone had a Lego, so... Just imagining you had you had the box, the, the Lego box in a, in a red glass-fronted case in the in the bedroom with break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good idea. Or, well, of course... It would I be mean, so that... good, Luke. <laughs> It'd be so effective, I mean. That question... <laughs> That question is actually one that we're going to have to explore uh, in coming weeks because because the don't forget Jesus tells a parable uh, in which he identifies God as being like a master who gives differing amounts to different people when the master goes away for a time. So so I mean that's immediately in my mind after you tell that story and and I I can tell as we as we're going to think more a little bit about about being responsible stewards of our resources that's that's a that's an idea that's difficult to escape. Yeah. Yes. Uh thrown into this though is after the kids had shown such a generous spirit. Um I am not sure of the example I, I set in return. Some time ago, I bought a little sailing dinghy, uh, looking for an activity we could do as a family, um, because there's not a lot of things that we go and do collectively. And uh, for the cost of, you know, a couple of nights' accommodation as a family, you can pick up a little boat, and then you can have lots of use out of it. Um, the boat has not been a, su- a success on a couple of uh, grounds. One of them is that someone in the boat, the captain namely me, uh, gets uh, too visibly frustrated uh, when other kids in the boat aren't enjoying it because of 
in my eyes, very uh, low levels of healing and swell and um, they're very unsure about boats and my own reaction has only made them even less sure and I I need to keep control of my own frustration and temper. It's just very annoying when you plan something to be a success and then it isn't. And if you show that frustration, then the thing becomes even less successful and you find yourself in a hole digging fast and I've, I've dug one or two holes very deep. <laughs> so that's a confession I have to make. Anyway, I took the boat out sailing and flipped it upside down. Oh, it's just me on the boat and I bent the mast and um, then I um, thought, well, I could take this to a metal fabricator and get them to fix it for a couple of hundred dollars. But I've got a couple of other projects around the house. I've always wanted a welder and a welder will last forever and I, I may not ever recover the value fr- back from it, but I'll recover something. And I talked myself into the position of buying a welder because I had to weld aluminium. It was an AC welder and AC TIG welder instead of just a stick welder and the price doubles. And then... And then you need a, a box of argon, I've, I've a bottle heard of argon it said, gas. And... Cam, that uh, intelligent people very often um, make make poor decisions because they're extremely good at rationalising their choices to themselves. Well, I don't know why that came to my mind just now. I'm just uh... yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a poor decision or not, and how it reflects on my uh, role as a steward of my financial resources. But the the end result is after buying the welder and then getting a spare helmet so my son could come out and watch me weld and hopefully I'll, I'll teach him a bit when I'm a bit more proficient myself and the bottle of argon gas and a welding um, uh, apron and some TIG filler rod and then, you know, a foot pedal to operate the TIG and then, then you look back at the list of receipts and you think, crumbs, I've spent more than half the value of the boat on... <laughs> on this, oh, this um, at a time <laughs> yeah, at a time when we've been saying to the kids that we're not going to be buying presents because we're going on a big holiday. Now, <clears throat> the money is coming out of money I had put aside for another purpose and I will no longer be able to spend it on the other purpose which I've been saving up for. So mm. in my mind, it wasn't just I'd counted the cost before I spent the money. But um, within a family, trying to model... Uh, stewardship and to encourage it mm. in children and uh, it was well, just a tricky thing I don't know if I've had a very successful um, go at it in these last few weeks yeah <laughs> yeah I mean the I mean obviously with it being sort of Christmas time and, and especially for us in Australia where Christmas is also our, our extended summer holidays so there's a great emphasis on family activities there is a real emphasis on family. I, I was chatting with, I don't know whether I was chatting or whether I was listening to a conversation. I now can't remember the context in which it came up. Um, but in the context of discussing Christmas, the, the comment was essentially made, oh, well, you know, it is, it is all about the children. Um, and they were, they were essentially sort of saying, well, you know, Christmas is the, the whole, the, the traditions, the rituals, the activities, they're, they're focused on a real sort of joy and pleasure for the children and, and they're sort of f- filled out in that joy uh, by the children. And I'm just interested as we reflect on this idea of us being God's children, um, you know, I, I sometimes wonder, could this be, like are there, maybe not maybe not Christmas itself, but other things in the Christian life, in the Christian tradition, are there rituals or activities that we do that are that are actually filled out with meaning by the fact that we are doing them essentially for God. If you just imagine anthropomorphizing the whole situation a little bit for a moment, where God's the parent and we're the kids, um, you know, I I personally see 
the Old Testament sacrificial system this way. I, I don't actually think that it was necessary in some sp- specific legal sense in God's eyes for the Israelites to be killing all these animals and sacrificing them. I, I see it as being a thing which was for which was for them and given meaning by them doing it and had had value, but it wasn't objectively externally to them some important, significant thing. And if we're upset about the sacrificial system, we have to remember they lived in a culture where they were eager to sacrifice. People in neighbouring countries mm. were sacrificing kids because they were terrified of the gods and mm. they were desperate to to show by some extremes, the more extreme sacrifice, the more devotion it shows to the God. And so when God steps into Abraham and says, you don't have to sacrifice your son, a sheep is sufficient. Hmm. Um, it, it is almost as if God is saying, look, you, you really don't have to kill something to please me. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good point, Cam. The idea that the sacrifice of the Israel, you, you know, if you go from where we are to the idea of the sacrifice of animal sacrifice as the Israelites practiced it, it is a step I would not say barbaric. It looks barbaric to yeah, us. It's it's a step towards mm. something that's more violent and less effective, shall we say, less, less less true, right? But if you're going from child sacrifice to animal sacrifice, that's a very big step in the right direction to something which is more yeah. true and less horrible. And if you do look, in fact, at the sacrifices, and I'm sure we'll get a chance here, but I'm thinking back to the chord we did on Deuteronomy, Um, God orchestrated the sacrificial system to, as much as possible, benefit the community. So sacrifices were, animals were sacrificed and portions of it were were burnt, but the majority of the animal was eaten. Mm. And in some of the big community sessions, uh, at times of the year where people would bring grain offerings or, or, or animals to sacrifice or, you know, at the end of the wheat harvest, there'd be a sacrifice brought in and everyone would bring 10% of what they had grown but it would go into a communal cooking pot and mm. you know, a big meal would be cooked and everyone would get to eat, even the people who didn't bring much grain because their crops had been unsuccessful um, yeah. so so even this notion of, of sacrifice uh, seems to God seems to be directing their focus away from some sort of legalistic or monetary purchasing of favor or earning favor with him towards you know ensuring that the resources are put to good use here on earth and yeah. by good it means a, good good for everyone a redistribution if you like to use a, a slightly socialist economic sort of picture but a redistribution of god's blessing itself yeah um so no that and that actually resonates really closely with the whole theme here in first john 3 which is all about love I mean, it's all about loving one another and loving, you know, being, if we are God's family, then, then we will show that and we can enjoy that through, through, you know, expressing love to fellow humans. Um, so no, that's, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good quarter. I don't know, maybe we should leave it there because we don't want to say too much. I mean, I was going to say more about the Deuteronomy and then I thought I was going to say more about the dishonest servant, because I'm sure he'll get a, mo- a mention in Christ's parable and, um, you know, there's a lot more we could say about the Sermon on the Mount, and there's a lot more we could say yeah. about the widow's two coins. And oh, I a- have a couple of thoughts 
filed yeah. up ready to pull out about tithe <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. you say we're all a little reluctant to throw all our best ideas out right now we've got to we've got to make sure that we have something left to discuss and we have well, such a such a bad track record of of running out of things to talk about don't we i oh, know i oh, know <laughs> uh, well what i what i suggest then is i think that functions as a good introduction um is there any particular aspect of stewardship that um our listeners would like us to perhaps do some research on and some thinking about and, and present episodes on. So, Luke, I'm going to nominate your issue of gambling. Oh, sounds good to me. Uh, as a society, not that you have an issue with gambling. I mean that two episodes ago you raised <laughs> the issue of gambling as something that we could <laughs> we could discuss. Um, so I'm going to nominate that as something that I think we should spend did, a week talking about. This and, is going to be try and find yeah, <laughs> Try and find some practical ways of of making a difference in our society. Um, mm. We give cooking demonstrations. Maybe as a church we could give financial planning demonstrations. That's a nice yeah. thought. Yeah, uh, that's so an interesting idea. That, that's, that's something I might t- t- take away. Um, if you, our dear listener, have anything, any idea or a hobby horse or an experience in your local church, I know that some of our listeners go to Gosford Church, and in Gosford Church they have a, they have a, um, a regular... Uh, it's it's not a soup kitchen, but it's a, a place where people can come and purchase fresh vegetables um, at very discount prices. The church loses money on it. They they go and buy veggies in bulk and other healthy foods, and then community members can come and purchase it for a proportion of their value. Um, and um, uh, if they have any insight into the way that's working in their actually com- actual community, or if any of you who don't go to that church but have other churches where there are programs helping. Uh, people um, who are worse off and who are doing their best to use God's resources in interesting and new ways, please send us an email. And um, we'd we'd love for this next quarter to be as diverse as it possibly could be. Uh, our email address is uh, sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com. 